Part 3. RTM Phil Lapsley, an engineering student at the University of California at Berkeley, was puzzled. No sooner had he logged into a Sun Microsystems workstation than it was clear something was amiss. Computers such as the Sun run dozens of programs at once, so it is routine for people like Lapsley, who maintain them, to peek periodically to see which programs are currently active. But on November 2, 1988, he saw, hidden among dozens of routine tasks, a small program controlled by an unusual user named Demon. Demon is not the name of any particular human, but an apt label conventionally used for the utility programs that scurry around in the background and perform useful tasks. But this program was not one that Lapsley recognized. Is anyone running a job as Demon? He asked the others in the fishbowl room in 199B, the Berkeley's experimental computing facility. People shook their heads. Then somebody else in the room pointed to one of the screens where a program that monitored the status of various other computers in the department was displayed. Lapsley looked more closely and discovered that a number of people appeared to be trying to log into other Berkeley computers. He decided it must be an attempted break-in. At least once a year, someone tried to break into the computers in Quarry Hall, which houses the school's prestigious electrical engineering department. The school year wouldn't be complete otherwise. Whoever this intruder was, he was apparently quite intent on getting in, trying time after time to log in to Berkeley's computers. So Lapsley started to jot down the names of the machines from which the break-in attempts were coming. But he was starting to see that they were scrolling by faster than he could write them down. In fact, they were coming so rapidly, they were scrolling straight off the screen before he could even read them. At that point, Lapsley realized it wasn't a person at all who was trying to break in. It was a program. When it wasn't running as Demon, it was running under the names of other users. The program kept pounding at Berkeley's electronic doors. Worse, when Lapsley tried to control the break-in attempts, he found that they came faster than he could kill them. And by this point, Berkeley machines being attacked were slowing down as the demonic intruder devoured more and more computer processing time. They were being overwhelmed. Computers started to crash or become catatonic. They would just sit there stalled, accepting no input. And even though the workstations were programmed to start running again automatically after crashing, as soon as they were up and running, they were invaded again. The university was under attack by a computer virus. Lapsley called Mike Carrolls, a programmer a hundred yards away in Evans Hall, an imposing concrete tower and home to the school's computer science facility. As the principal programmer at the Computer Systems Research Group, Carrolls was the scientist most knowledgeable about Berkeley Unix, the operating system widely adopted by universities and research institutions everywhere. If anyone would have good advice, it would be Carrolls. All Lapsley got from Carroll's was a short, stiff laugh. Then, so you've got it too, huh? After another thirty minutes of puzzling over the enigmatic intruder, Lapsley and others in the fishbowl discovered that the program was expanding beyond Berkeley. Peter Yee, another undergraduate working with Lapsley, logged into a computer at NASA's Ames Research Center fifty miles to the south and saw it there. And when Lapsley logged into a computer at Berkeley's sister campus in San Diego, he saw it there, too. 
By the time a call came from a system manager at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory to say it was on his machines, there was no doubt that this was no local problem. It was all over the nationwide network known as the Internet.